Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas, and this is my mama's podcast, and, and here she is. This week's episode is sponsored by asanaetc.com. Asana Etc. is a Czech-produced online yoga and movement platform brought to you from the founders of Prague Yoga Collective and a couple of other people who have gone together to create some place where we can be together when we can't physically be together. It can be a comfort to find classes and community online to keep feeling good about ourselves, both physically and mentally. And we've just released a bundle of prenatal yoga videos with me that I'm teaching. So if you are pregnant and you've never done any yoga before, they're perfect for you. And there are also videos for those of you guys that might be pregnant that have a strong practice already and you'd just like to know how to modify a little bit as belly grows and also if you're not pregnant or you're not planning to be pregnant there's lots and lots of videos for you to practice with as well so if this sounds amazing then head to asana etc.com that is a-s-a-n-a-e-t-c.com and Get your seven-day free trial today. After that, unlimited access to all our videos is only 12 euros a month. So go ahead and head to asanaetc.com. Hi everyone, my name is Lisa and welcome to the 9 Months Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is a platform for parents to share their journeys to becoming just that, to becoming parents and sharing the stories of the birth of their children. So hopefully this platform can can be a support for you. Maybe you're on a journey to becoming a parent. Maybe you've had children already and just love listening in to the beauty of childbirth stories. But for whoever you are, I hope you enjoy and I hope this brings you as much joy as it brings me. So let's get into today's story. In today's story, we hear from Karina. Karina has two little boys and both of them were born right here in Prague in the Czech Republic. Karina shares with us her longer journey towards conception and using IVF to conceive. We discuss miscarriage and having trouble breastfeeding and how it was to give birth in a Prague hospital both times. I hope you enjoy today's stories. Here's Karina. Hi, Karina, and welcome to the Nine Months Podcast. It's nice to have you here with me today. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Karina, you're here to share two birth stories today, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, and would you like to begin by introducing yourself and who's in your family? Sure. So um, I'm from the UK originally. My husband is Irish. We met uh, about 20 years ago when we were both living in Moscow. And then we moved to Prague in the Czech Republic in 2009 uh, for his work. And uh, we were already kind of in our uh, conception process when we moved to Prague. Uh, we had quite a long road to actually getting a successful pregnancy. Um, it was about four years from starting to try to conceive to actually concluding a, a successful pregnancy. So um, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll start with that. Um, so, so my first, uh, so, so we ended up having several rounds of, uh, of IVF, in vitro fertilization. 
Um, the first one I had was in, well, actually, I'll go back a little bit further, perhaps. Um, I actually managed to, to fall pregnant naturally, um, strangely, after about a year of trying, which was sort of fairly, uh, fairly normal. Um, I was actually pregnant with twins. Uh, unfortunately, I, uh, I miscarried quite early on. And at that stage, with a lot of testing and, and, and medical intervention, we concluded that the best thing would be to go for IVF. Um, so I had my first one about probably a year after the miscarriage uh, in the UK. That was unsuccessful and very expensive. Um, <laughs> and at that stage, we'd, uh, we'd just moved to the Czech Republic. Um, and certainly at that stage, and I think it's the same now, um, you can actually, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you have local health insurance, you can actually have three IVFs uh, for free, which is, uh, which is pretty amazing. Oh, really? um, is that through, yeah. uh, through VZP or...? Uh, through OZP, yes. The, the, OZP, the, okay. The health insurance. VZP is, you know, I think that is the same uh, system. Yeah, so um, so we were like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. I, think, I think we spent something like £4,000, so about five, €6,000 in the UK on the first one. Crazy money, crazy money. But anyway, so, um, so we did another one here in a clinic called Pronatal, which was overall a very negative experience uh, for a number of reasons. And it, um, it didn't result in a pregnancy. Um, and I didn't like the clinic for various reasons. Um, but uh, so we decided to switch to Gennett, which is another clinic I know that many women had, uh, had had success here. It's a very well established um, research clinic here. And uh, that was my first um, with a different protocol and different medicine and all sorts of tests. And uh, that pregnancy was successful in the beginning, uh, but unfortunately I miscarried again. And at that point, we were kind of three years into the process. That was three babies lost. And I was pretty much rock bottom kind of emotionally and, and uh, mentally and physically. So, um, yeah, that was a hard time. But then, you know, I was determined. We were both determined, my husband and I. So we went uh, after about six months for our fourth IVF, which was successful. I um, ended up pregnant with twins. Um, unfortunately lost one early on, but um, I managed to carry my son Rory to term and uh, he's nearly 10 years old. That was back in 2011. Hmm. So yeah, that was, uh, that was quite a long road. Um, so for the pregnancy itself, um, it was very smooth, pretty easy. I, I felt horribly sick for the first few months, but that was in some ways a real uh, comfort, strangely. Right. <laughs> Because right. I knew that, that that was a good sign of a, a healthy pregnancy, right? Unpleasant as it was. Yeah. Um, so, um, but it was very, it was a very emotionally fraught pregnancy. I was worried and anxious throughout because of all the losses and because in general, IVF pregnancies are considered to be higher risk. So until, right up until the final moment, I was, um, I was pretty, I was pretty nervous. I was pretty uncomfortable. I wouldn't say I enjoyed the pregnancy. Right. How did it work, if I may ask, um, regarding just just the care here? I know in some countries when you go through IVF, you get at a certain point you get transferred to just like a normal OB, like any other pregnancy. Or do you stay with, you know, the, the IVF clinic or, or how does that work? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same. There's, there's a kind of handover. Um, I think the last scan I had with the um, IVF clinic was around 10 weeks or so, um, to, just to basically confirm heartbeat, confirm what they call an established pregnancy. And then it was around that 10, 12 week period that I was, um, I was sent back to my, to my OBGN and, and we continued, uh, I continued the rest of the pregnancy with her. Mm. Oh, that's great. And uh, did you know what kind of birth you were planning for? Well, this is the thing. I think <laughs> we were we were so much in this in this state of having had medical intervention. We'd, we'd spent so much physically, financially, emotionally that I I wanted really to kind of take no risks. Um, so we engaged um, my uh, my gynecologist um, for a private birth in uh, in Kirch Hospital, Tomorrow Hospital here in Prague. Um, where she births, um, Dr. Stace Garlova. Some of you might uh, might know her. She's now retired, um, but um, she, um, I, I, uh, I knew that she was going to basically look after me throughout my entire pregnancy and also be present at the birth um, and for my aftercare as well. So that gave me a certain amount of um, uh, kind of uh, it calmed my nerves to know that she would be there throughout, and it also took away that little bit of. Um, that fear of the unknown of the Czech hospital, right? Um, at the time I spoke actually reasonable Czech, but of course it's, it's such an unknown, right? Um, and I think my, um, at, at that stage as well, I'd already been working with quite a lot of pregnant women, you know, like you, Lisa, I'm a yoga teacher. Um, and uh, I, uh, I'd seen a lot of prenatal and postnatal women who had gone into pregnancy with a very sort of specific birth plan, right? They wanted to have it a, a certain way, especially in terms of having a natural birth of, of, uh, um, without pain relief and things like that. And, and I, I saw in several cases women who had, well, let's say things hadn't gone their way. It hadn't gone exactly according to their birth plan, either because um, the hospital hadn't been very accommodating or because medically things just hadn't gone the way they'd hoped and they ended up with a c-section or with pain relief that they hadn't planned and i saw in some cases the effect that that had on people um initially disappointment and sadness sometimes you know people were really sort of traumatized for years because their birth while it was successful wasn't what they expected didn't meet their expectations so i kind of made this decision for myself that i wasn't going to have any expectations i love the idea of a natural um, a, a drug-free birth but I remember when I talked about it with <laughs> I talked about it with my gynecologist she was kind of old school she was about 30 years in the in the business and she said I, I said oh, you know whatever I'm not really sure I really want to do this epidural business the drugs and blah 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 and she just looked at me and said why do you want to suffer like a dog of course you're gonna have the time. <laughs> And, and this look of bemusement on her face. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh my God. That's a wonderful comment. I love it. <laughs> it, was, but just, it was just the confusion in her face. Like, why would you not you know, use this? It's available. So, um, so in, in her care and in the hospital's care. And I, I trusted them knowing what they were doing to, to, to make or help me make the right choices. And, and, and that worked for me. So... Should we go ahead and jump into your birth stories or is there anything you'd like to share otherwise um, from that pregnancy? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good. So, so basically I was, about, um, I was about 40 weeks basically at full term in my pregnancy and uh, like many babies, uh, little Rory didn't, didn't really want to come out, um, but he's kind of teasing me. So I got to this stage where um, every night at around two, three in the morning, I would wake up with 
terrible birthing pains or what I thought were birthing pains. And I'd be like waking my husband up and I'd be like, right, this is it. This is the moment. Get the bags packed. Off we go. And um, then we'd start timing my contractions. And actually, it wasn't really that often. And oh, okay. So, and every night was the same. I'd be like up for two or three hours with these pains. And then it was kind of a false alarm. So after, after five days of this, I went to my gynae and I was like, look, I'm almost overdue you know, babies, you know, really not cooperating here. And I was exhausted, right? Because I was waking up every night. And she looked at me, she said, well, you know, this, this can go on for another five, six days. And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I can't do this for another five, six days and then give birth. So we agreed uh, because I was full term and everything was looking good that she was going to uh, break my waters. So we agreed. Um, it was a Monday afternoon. She said, I'll meet you in the hospital tomorrow, I don't know, two o'clock, whatever it was. Um, and I went in and she broke my waters. And then very soon after that, labor started um, and it was painful. <laughs> I was pacing the room with my husband. I was very lucky actually that he, uh, he was there for the whole process. Um, and overall, it was a very quick birth. Um, I decided to have an epidural, spinal um, um, uh, anesthesia, uh, which was fantastic. <laughs> Because basically it, it took me to a stage where I could feel my contractions, um, but there was basically no pain. So in the last kind of hour or so of my, uh, of my labor, which was about four hours, I was actually just dozing off and having a little nap. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, and then, uh, and then the, 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 the time came, I was obviously being monitored and they saw that I was fully dilated and they were like, okay, Karina, wake up, it's time to push. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of, I kind of gave this half-hearted little push and my gynecologist was there. And by this time we had a pretty good relationship and she was like, come on, Karina, that wasn't a push. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and then literally it was one more push. And uh, my husband always jokes that um, they had to catch the baby in a bin lid because it was like flying out. You know? Wow. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I will mention she did do uh, an episiotomy. So she made a small incision um, to help baby come out easier, which again is a little controversial. A lot of women don't want that and specifically ask not to have the episiotomy. I was pleased I had it um, because otherwise I probably would have torn and then a, a, a tear is much more difficult to uh, recover from than an actual surgical incision. Um, so so baby, baby came out and uh, I was a little woozy. Um, I guess that's one bad thing about when, you know, when you do have the drugs is they do make you a little bit, well, kind of drugged out right so but uh you know the, the baby was put uh, was wrapped up put straight on my chest just for a few seconds my husband took the obligatory photos and I look <laughs> very dazed and confused <laughs> in these pictures but funny not flattering at all um and then uh, and then uh my uh my gynae was then uh, immediately started to, to stitch up the episiotomy uh which I didn't feel at all because of the uh, uh the epidural and the baby, it was kind of funny, the baby was then, um, normally the, the nurses you know, really kind of take control, take the baby away and, and do all their stuff. They clean them, they weigh them, they do all these things. And my husband actually went, um, went with the nurses as they walked off with the baby and they kind of turned around and looked at him and said, well, where are you going? <laughs> you know, because men and husbands, you know, they don't really have a place in the birthing room. Right. He said, you're not taking my baby anywhere without me. He was very proprietorial. So they begrudgingly allowed him into the room next door, which was where they, they did the cleaning and the weighing. And um, 
uh, they, <laughs> this is a funny feature of Czech hospitals. Um, they, uh, they write the weight of the baby on, uh, on the baby and you actually have to sign your name on the baby using a pen. Um, so for the first few oh. days, your baby has, um, like our baby had Bolan, which is our surname, you know, written across his stomach in a, in a washable pen. A very kind of, you know, uh, primitive but effective way of being able to identify your baby. And of course, they get the little wristband as well. But yes, you, you have to write your name on the baby. I don't know if that's the case nowadays. This was back in 2000. I have never heard of that. It, it, was, it was very common. I, I knew it was coming. So I wasn't surprised when my baby had a black marker all over his belly. Um, and then they put him under this, uh, and the good thing was my husband was there, so he could tell me everything they did, the weighing, they do the APGAR test, which is, you know, just to test his senses and reflexes and things. He scored a perfect 10, very proud mummy moments. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, then, uh, and then they put them under what we call the baby grill, which is a kind of lamp. It's not really called that, but it's like a lamp that, that just sort of heats up the baby and also gives them some light to help with jaundice and things like that. And as I say, in the meantime, I was being stitched up and recovered. And um, <clears throat> then I was uh, transferred back to a ward. I had a private room, which was wonderful because it meant that my husband could actually stay with me. I had my own room, my own bathroom. Um, and uh, so the first night, I remember actually, I, I gave birth at around nine o'clock at night. And then um, I was back in the room, I don't know, around midnight, something like that. And, and everything was all cleaned up and... and uh, and checked and things um and then of course i went straight to sleep and um and i remember they, they took the baby away to the the nursery for a few hours which they they do often with births in the evening to give mum a chance to get a few hours sleep um and uh and then they wheeled him in at about six o'clock in the morning and i remember this very um sort of strict officious nurse and she walked in and she had this uh, little kind of trolley with a baby inside who was screaming his head off and I, I woke up and I was kind of still a bit woozy and in pain and didn't know where I was and what was going on and she said your baby is crying and I just thought to myself what does she want me to do about it like it was so, it was so bewildering and uh, and then she put this baby in my arms and I just remember thinking what am I supposed to do and uh, I guess as a side note this is something I possibly regretted about giving birth and becoming a mum was I had basically zero experience of babies before having my own. I'd never even changed a nappy. I'd barely even held a baby. I knew nothing about feeding a baby, washing a baby, nothing. So this, and I, in retrospect, I wish I had been a bit better prepared just to have an idea of what you do. So I think in, in Czech hospitals, there's this, there's this kind of um, sort of play between who actually owns the baby in the beginning. Um, mm. It's, it's a little old fashioned here um, in that the nurses kind of, they, it's almost as though they manage and control your baby and how you deal with your baby, um, which has resulted in, you know, a, a very low infant mortality in the Czech Republic, one of the lowest in the world. Um, they keep you in hospital for several days afterwards to make sure that the baby is going to be properly cared for, that feeding is established, that mum's in a good condition to care for the baby. But those first few days in hospital, they're very much, they tell you when to feed, how to feed, they show you how to wash your baby, how to change nappies. We were also weighing the baby and things like that. So it was very much a kind of cooperative care for the baby. Hmm. Pretty much suited me fine, actually, because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, 
so yeah, so that took us to day one, uh, day one with our baby and that found me six in the morning with a baby in my arms, not really sure what to do. <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there though, wherever we've given birth, you have this baby and you're like, Hey, hold on. What are we, what are we supposed to do, be doing here? <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. It's not just me. <laughs> no, no. I think it's a normal thing. Even if you've read all the books, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, it just becomes real. I think at that moment. <laughs> sure, it is. It is quite quite bewildering. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how was uh, postpartum then with Rory? How was breastfeeding and coming home and all of these things? Well, that was the funny thing. I got kind of used to being in hospital. I was there for five days and. Um, you know, as I said, I had a private room and my husband was bringing me meals and stuff like that. And everyone was helping care for the baby. So it was actually pretty good. <laughs> and then at one point they said, uh, you know, you, you can go home now. And I was like, you sure, you know, I could stay another night if you need. It was like the opposite experience that most people have, right? Because I was kind of nervous to take the baby home. So, and, and you know, obviously we took him home and everything was fine. I, I found it very, very difficult in the beginning um, because I had a lot of problems with breastfeeding. Um, it's often or sometimes a, a side effect of IVF that, that, or let's say in a lot of IVF mothers, breastfeeding can often be somehow interrupted or, or doesn't work as well um, because of the kind of natural progression of hormones that's missing. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't producing much milk, but in the hospital, they helped me with, uh, with a breast pump. And as soon as I got home, I got a beautiful double electric breast pump. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so I got into this kind of routine of, of, baby latching on but not really feeding that much and I was sort of feeding also with a bottle it was it was quite a it was quite um a mess it was quite difficult with breastfeeding in the beginning so I actually engaged um, a breastfeeding counsellor um who was incredibly kind and made me feel an awful lot better but put me on a very very strict uh sort of breastfeeding schedule and pumping schedule um it was what I found a lot in the Czech Republic is that breastfeeding is very, very much encouraged here. In fact, even I remember in my prenatal sort of training, um, I remember the, the, the counselor was telling us, you know, only, only to use formula if it was absolutely necessary and formula was unnatural and kind of gross and it makes your baby's poop smell and it's just horrible, you know. And so, of course, the breastfeeding counselor as well was very, very pro-breastfeeding. Um, and she had me, um, she actually had me pumping 10 times a day, uh, um, including through the night. So I would literally have to have to set my alarm for 2am and start pumping my breasts and then, you know, go and deal with all this sterilized bottles and milk. And, um, and then we also had to wake the baby up to feed him. He wasn't feeding so well. That was 4am. It, it, it was a mess. My entire day was spent between either pumping or feeding my son. And it, it was a real shame actually, because I feel like those first few months I lost, I lost um, just the pure, simple enjoyment of of being with my baby because every waking minute was I was either washing bottles sterilizing pumping feeding and it was you know it was it was a lost time for me and I, I really feel that it also affected the way I bonded with Rory because I just didn't enjoy him as a baby it was um it you know it's quite even upsetting to talk about now 10 years on yeah. and um, to be honest eventually after about four, four and a half months, I gave up breastfeeding because it was just too, too stressful. And the minute I put a bottle in his mouth with formula, he was happy. I was happy. And it was like, why did I not do this months before, you know? So um, I kind of feel like I wish, I wish somebody, either the breastfeeding counselor or just someone close to me had said, stop, stop this madness, this 
crazy pumping, this obsession with weighing and how many milliliters he's drunk and just relax and enjoy your baby. And it actually did take me many years to really properly bond with Rory, um, including using a therapist as well to sort of help me understand why I didn't feel as close to him as I did to his, his younger brother who was there by then. So yeah, I think breastfeeding is a, is a tricky topic. And again, I went into that expecting it to work and it didn't. And yeah, I was disappointed. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've, I've listened to a lot of birth stories, but I've also recorded a lot uh, to this point. And every time that I hear this story is, is exactly what you just said, you know, the minute, minute, minute I put the bottle in his mouth, <laughs> I just relaxed, you know, and, and, and I, I don't have that experience myself. I was fine with breastfeeding, but I think that, um, I think that I'm quite rare, honestly, we think, or, or maybe society or our doctors, or I don't know, makes us think that, yeah, 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 I'm a woman. I should be able to just feed my baby out of my breasts, mm -hmm. you know, for yeah. as long as I want. But, but honestly, a lot, a lot of women, and I, I don't know the, the percentage here, but it feels like there's more that have trouble with it than, than don't. And, and I think we need to talk about those things. So it's really, really good that you bring that up, I think. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think that there are certain difficulties and there are difficulties that can be overcome. And sometimes there is a bit of a rocky road into breastfeeding. And then after a month or two, okay, everything falls together. But I think when, you know, when it was my case where it just really month after month wasn't happening, like there's, there's a point where you got to kind of <laughs> admit defeat. <laughs> right. For our mental health, I think. For sure. You know, because we're still very you know extra unstable after having given birth and then having to deal with everything and doing everything you want to do everything yourself you know and be everything for everyone all the time including your baby and then also this that it's very it's valid and and it i think i think maybe there should be a bit more resources out there absolutely i agree with you there, there are a lot of pro breastfeeding resources and groups and support groups and things but very little support for those of us who either don't want to breastfeed or can't breastfeed with with ease so yeah it's a it's a tricky topic mm -hmm, for, for sure. sure all right so is there anything else you'd like to add for rory's birth or postpartum um no that was uh, that that was really it um yeah uh, I think I'm done with Rory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, done with Rory. All right, moving on to the next one. <laughs> so how did you guys know that you wanted to have another one or how did you go about all that? Yeah, that was, I mean, it was always, uh, I, we always wanted a sibling for, for, for Rory. That was, uh, that was always a done deal. Um, of course, we were a little bit nervous about going through the whole IVF process again, but uh, we went back to the same clinic and the same doctor um, again, we, like many people, we sort of thought how much of a gap do we want, maybe around three years or so, but we thought, well, we don't know how this is going to play out. So let's, let's get going. Let's get started in case it takes a while. But actually we're very lucky with what was my fifth IVF. Um, it was went very smoothly and, um, I became pregnant immediately, uh, with Rory's younger brother, Hugh. And, uh, um, that was, uh, so I gave birth to him in, November 2013 and there was about two years and five months between uh, between our two boys mm. so how um, was the 
How was the pregnancy then? Or how was finding out that you were pregnant and easier this time around then? How did that feel? Was it, did it affect the pregnancy at all? Or I, I think, I mean, I think I was much, I was much calmer during this pregnancy um, because I'd already had a successful pregnancy. So, and I think perhaps with the second pregnancy, most women maybe are a little bit, a little bit more at ease. Um, and of course you have to look after a two-year-old toddler, right? So you don't have the luxury mm -hmm. of lounging around all day, worrying about your belly. You've got to get up and you know, take, take him to school and do this and do that. And um, so, as you know yourself, so, um, so that, that pregnancy flew by uh, fairly uneventfully. Um, and, uh, and I'm just trying to think actually, um, it was the same actually I, I, I yeah it was the same as with Rory um, I was starting to get um, these sort of pre-birthing pains somewhere around it was a little bit early actually Huey so it was around week 38 38 and a half um, he was already showing signs that he wanted to come out but wasn't quite sure so we went actually through the the, the same the same thing and I think at 39 weeks and a couple of days um I went into hospital again, um, and the same gynecologist I had um, also broke my waters and uh, I also had a, a fairly swift birth. The only thing was, I mean, I wanted to do it identically to Rory's birth because it was just such a such an easy, calm and joyous experience. Um, but um, I remember the hospital where I gave birth, there was um, there'd been a, a huge accident just before just earlier on in the day and all of the anesthesiologists were uh, were occupied so i was like okay let's let's go with this uh you know um with the epidural I, the, the same the same uh, last time and they were like well i'm sorry we can't do it because there aren't any anesthesiologists free so um oh, no. <laughs> i know and and at that point it was interesting because i think had i had i not been planning that and had i in my mind thought okay i can do this without without pain relief i probably it probably would have been tolerable, but I think because I was like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> Give me my drugs. Like that sent me into a bit of a spiral. Eventually I did have the epidural, but unfortunately Huey popped out about 20 minutes afterwards. So I don't think I really got the pain relief effect from it. So that birth was altogether a little bit more, it was also around three hours, uh, but it was altogether a little bit more, uh, a little bit more frantic, uh, unplanned and a lot more painful. Um, I also had again an episiotomy, which I was fine with. And uh, yes, it was very much the same process. He was in my arms, same photo of me looking dazed and confused. <laughs> <laughs> baby, baby gets whisked off to be weighed and measured and my husband went with him. And uh, yes, yeah, so again, I had a private room. This time, of course, my husband wasn't staying with me because he was at home with our, um, our older son, but he was there for the birth as well because my mum came over uh, to look after Rory. So I, it was a shorter stay in hospital that time. Of course, when you have an older child at home, you're much keener to get out of hospital. And yeah. uh, I think I was only there for three days, and um, and then I was and then I was back home. Yeah, that's great. And how was postpartum then? Coming home and having a uh, a bigger kid at home and and all of that adjusting. It was, I mean, like I said, my mum was there for that, which was, which was actually incredibly helpful. That's one thing I would definitely say, whenever you give birth, the more hands you can have around you, the better. So often as expats here, you know, we don't have the family support that we need, but really if you, if you can at all have people around you, uh, friends, family, please take all the help and support you can get. So having my mum here was great. Um, she was mainly dealing with Rory, 
my husband was working, I had the baby. It, it, it worked out pretty harmoniously. Um, I had the same issues with breastfeeding. Um, I did try pumping for a while uh, just to see if maybe this time it would be better. But I think I lasted around, I don't know, six, eight weeks. And then I was like, I learned my lesson the time before. And then, and uh, I, I, uh, I moved Huey onto a bottle. And I still expressed milk when I could. So he was kind of partly formula, partly breastfed until about three, four months. And then, uh, and then that was it. Yeah. But you felt more at ease then with this, with this time around trying to breastfeed and then giving it up and. Yeah, I felt, I felt more in, in, in control, more in charge, more and more empowered to say no, basically. I had the same breastfeeding counselor come over to me with, after Huey's birth and she was like, right, well, we'll put him in this position and then we'll do that. And then we'll do this. And I was like, okay, no, this time, no. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, but I'm done. <laughs> so yeah, definitely the second time around, I think, of course, all of us as mothers, we we feel a little bit more confident, perhaps. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think I felt that too. Having after having my second, just a bit more confident, and you know, even this thing that we just talked about about handling handling yes. a newborn. I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> right. All right. So, are there any references maybe that you'd like to share with the listeners, or um, anything you'd like to add that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I, I guess, I mean, I know one, 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 uh, uh, one group that's been, I think, very helpful for a lot of people is, uh, I know you've mentioned it in previous podcasts is a Facebook group called the, the Bumps Babies and Tots Prague group. Of course, I'm a big fan of it because it's, uh, it's a group that I administer. So <laughs> I encourage <laughs> mummies to join the group. It's, uh, it's a really good resource. Um, it's yeah. one I feel very passionately about because it wasn't around when I, when I gave birth to Rory. So I, I felt I missed out on that potential support. So um, of course there are a number of other Facebook groups um, depending on whether you're interested in baby wearing or breastfeeding mm. or uh, to wean. Um, I think there's, that's really, um, there's, there's a lot of good resources out there now. Um, but I don't have any, any particular references or resources to add at this stage other than those. I just wanted to add that, um, yeah, the bumps group is a very, it's been a very, useful tool and it's always what what everyone is referring back to that I've been interviewing from that had giving birth in Czech Republic or having kids here it's just anything from you know where do we go to school where can I buy this kind of shoes I'm not feeling well can somebody help me you know and it's and it's I've never had a, a second thought about posting anything I've just been like I need to ask this question I'm doing it now and, and I always get really helpful results and answers so it's a very nice resource to have yeah it's a very safe safe and supportive space and uh, we we work hard to sort of um to keep it that way so yes it's um it's a wonderful resource and as I say one that wasn't there when when I was around uh, or when I was around giving birth the first time so uh, I hope it I hope it helps as many parents as possible yeah, most definitely. I think that there are a lot of resources out there in groups like these on Facebook. So even if if um, someone is listening that doesn't live in Prague in particular, there's probably something similar in your area as well. Yeah. All right, Karina. So thank you so much for sharing your stories with me today. Thank you for listening to <laughs> my, my very long, very long story. It was a pleasure to share it. Thanks again, Karina, for coming on the show today and telling us your beautiful birth stories. 
If you are listening in and you would like to reach out to Karina with any questions or anything at all, then do please feel free to send me an email at the nine months podcast at gmail.com or go visit the website nine months podcast.com. You can also contact me there or fill out the form if you would like to share your birth story on the pod one day. Thank you guys so much for your love and your support and I'll see you next week.